This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org and join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we serve a great, great, mighty God. Amen, amen. Thank you. Praise team. Take your Bibles out. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Welcome each one of you today. Good to have you here. Those who are watching by television or video venue, we welcome you as well this morning. And great to have you here. We a little different podium than maybe we're used to using, but we're talking about raising champion kids champion teenagers, champion youth, and so we thought this might be a little more appropriate for them. Great to have our junior high kinetic 6.8 in here with us today, and you'll be seeing a little bit from them in a few moments. How how many enjoyed watching the Olympics, the Winter Olympics? Let me see your hand. I'm having a little bit of Olympic withdrawal right now. Uh, I, I missed several days, and so I actually watched it last night. I put it on my DVR, and I think I was watching the the downhill, uh, downhill slalom racing, and that was still going on. So don't tell me who won. I'm way behind, and I'm catching up. But uh, if, I, if I stretch it out long enough, I'll be watching the Winter Olympics in August. But uh, we're, uh, it, it's amazing. It's incredible, those guys who are competing for the gold. They're going for the gold. And, and I heard one of them interviewed in a sideline story, and they were kind of doing these little vignettes they do throughout the whole thing. And, uh, and, and, and the parent, the, the, the the person recounted how that his, his parents had him on skis when he was two years old. He began snow skiing when he was two years old. He was doing his first races by the age of 10. And by the age of 17, he was now in Vancouver in the Winter Olympics competing for the gold. And, and, and what I want to say is, if we are going to have champion adults, we got to start early preparing them to be champions in the kingdom of God. We don't wait till they're older. We don't wait till they're teenagers. We don't wait till they're adults. But we start very early in life raising up and training the next generation to be champions. And so this morning I want to just teach you from God's word how we can raise champion children. Uh, how, how, how do we raise the next generation to be champions and warriors in the kingdom of God. Uh, how do we raise kids, boys and girls, that when they become teenagers, they won't waste the season of their youth, but they'll ready, be ready, as I preached last week for teenagers, uh, they'll be ready to give that gift of their youth to God. And they'll be able to serve God all the days of their life. How do we raise our boys and girls and our teenagers uh, so that when they leave church, when they leave school, when they leave their home, excuse me, and they go off to college, and they go to USC in Columbia, or they go to Clemson up there near Greenville, or they go to some other state school uh, where the mantra is party every single weekend. Uh, how do we raise our children uh, to have enough strength and power and courage uh, that when they go to campus, they're not going to turn away from their faith in God, uh, but their faith will be stronger and strengthened. They'll be mighty, powerful witnesses for the Lord. See, we lose an awful lot of young people when they hit that college age. And they get away 
They're doing fine as long as they're here every Wednesday night and every Sunday night, and they're here for all the activities, and they're a part of it. But often is the case, they go away to school, and they turn away from their faith in God. How do we raise up a champion generation of world changers? And let me just throw this in right now. As wonderful as our children's pastor, Pastor Jonathan, is, as wonderful as wonderful as Pastor Ron is and Pastor Jason are and ministering to our youth. Listen, they can't do it without mom and dad. They are here to come along and support mom and dad. Uh, They're not here to take your place in raising your kids. Uh, All we can do is supplement and augment what you're already doing and teaching and training them at home. Uh, Don't expect you to bring your delinquent kid into church and say, okay, now straighten them out. He's probably delinquent because he got delinquent moms and dads. Oh my, I don't, that, there, that just welled up. I don't know where that came from. It just, it's kind of just popped out there. I, uh, we're going to read our text in just a moment, but we've got a very creative junior high audio visual department and they put these things together on Wednesday nights. And so I want to see you their, their rendition of what this story might have looked like today. Take a look. Welcome to the auditorium, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Phil Steen, and this is my partner. I.S. Real. I.S. Real. You heard it there. We're excited tonight because we've got a great, great game slated for you. The Philistine University Giants are going to take on Israel Tech Crusaders. I, as real, how are you feeling about the game? Well, I'm not feeling much because from the looks of it, there is nobody from Israel Tech here at the moment. Oh, how disappointing, folks. Israel Tech does not have a player. Are you going out there? I ain't going out there. Me neither. Yeah. Hey, guys, how you doing? I thought you had a game today. What are you doing here? Well, I brought you guys some food. Look, David, you're a little kid. Go back home to Daddy and let us play the game. You guys look scared. Man, mind your own business. Well, if you're not going to play the game, I am. Man, he's going to get killed. Oh, wait, I'm getting a fee. Yes? You're not going to believe this, I as real. Israel Tech has a Little League player coming. A Little League player? They are going to have a Little League player take on a giant, folks. I ask real, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I hope he has life insurance, Phil. Good point. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. As you can see, we have an excited crowd. The only thing I know to say, I, Israel, is people around here must like funerals. Apparently. Now we're going to go to some prior footage of the giant in action. And folks, if you have children, I advise you tell them to leave the room now. Play the giant? Yes, I am. I, 
This is my uniform. Take it with you to the game. this uncircumcised Philistine that he could defy the armies of the living God. This day, God, I know you will deliver him into my hands. Do you even play Little League? You look like a bench warmer off Little League. They said a baby! All right, you got the story, we can go home now. Let's look at the uh, Old Testament version. Stand with me, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now keep your hands right here throughout the course of the sermon. I will be going through the entire chapter, so we'll look at it together and learn together this morning. We'll start with verse number 1 through 11. And now the Philistines were gathered their armies together to do battle, and they were gathered at Sukkoth. Which, meet, which belongs to Judah, and encamped there at Sukkah, and Ezekah, and Ephnesdemon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they were encamped in the valley of Elah, and they drew up battle in battle array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and a valley in between them. And a champion, everybody say champion. Champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed in a coat of mail, a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of bronze. He had bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed six hundred shekels. And a shield bearer went before him. And then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Father, today, as we look at your word, open up our hearts. We need you. I need your anointing. Minister through your Holy Spirit, we ask it in your mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Often in Bible times, they would engage in what is known as trench warfare. 
and you would have one army on the other side, and they would get in their trenches, and they'd hunker down, and they would get ready for battle. And you'd have the army on the other side of the valley, and they would also get in their trenches, and they'd get down. And from time to time, someone would get courage, and they'd go out and attack the other side. The other side would all rise up out of their trenches. Uh, they'd go and fight some more. A bunch of guys would be dead. They would leave and go back to their trenches and wait some longer. It, it was a trench warfare was a very long tedious process many lives were lost in the whole process and it kind of became almost a war of attrition and so what you would have in order to shorten the war in order to save lives uh, what would often they would do was each side would pick a champion And you would have one champion represent the armies on the one side. The other would send out their best fighter, their strongest, uh, their their one with the most kills. uh, And they would send him out. uh, And those two champions uh, would fight against each other to determine the outcome of the battle. Save on time, loss of lives. And now, so now you have the Philistine champion. He's a man from Gath. And he's a descendant of Enoch. It was a family of big, tall giants. This was a tall, huge family. He had, uh, six, there were six sons in, in, the, in the line of Anak, and they were all huge. They were all big. Uh, but you can tell from the word of God, Goliath was by far the biggest and the strongest and the baddest. He uh, went over nine foot tall in height. He had a bronze coat of armor, and if you translate it to today's mathematics, it weighed about 125 pounds. His javelin was 15 pounds in weight. Uh, And so you have this huge giant out there in the middle of the valley saying, who is going to come and fight against me? Now, many of you have heard this story many, many times. The challenge this morning is sometimes we've heard it so many times we tend to miss some very powerful truths in the story. So I want you to go back in your mind's eyes and revisit it with me again, uh, and let's let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts uh, and bring revelation this morning of what it wants us to hear today. Now look at verse number 11. You see the mood of Israel. Bible says they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Uh, Here you have the Israelites. Uh, Here you have the covenant people of God. Uh, God had promised to be with them, to go with them, to give them victory wherever they set their feet, wherever they went. God was going to be with them. But they lost faith in the covenant-keeping God. Either God's word is true or it's not. Either God's promises are true or they're not. And somewhere along the line, they lost faith in that covenant-keeping God because instead of being filled with faith, they're filled with fear. The second thing that you see in Israel sitting in their trenches on the other side waiting to see who's going to come out. If you remember previously, Israel had went against God and they searched for a king. Now, it's not to say that in Israel's history they would not at one time have a king, but it wasn't God's time. It wasn't God's plan. Uh, I believe David was God's anointed, uh, and they got ahead of God's timing and God's plan, uh, and they selected a king for themselves. Uh, And the Bible says that when they chose Saul to be the king of Israel, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, So now, he's the logical choice. 
He's the tallest dude in the Israelite tribe. Uh, he is probably comes a little bit closer to rivaling Goliath's house height, although he is still far shorter. But he would be the logical man-made champion for the nation of Israel. But he's hunkered down in their trenches. Uh, they're hiding for their life. Uh, they're in fear, and their man-made king was afraid. And so the champion of Israel emerges, and he is a scrawny little sunburned teenager, pre-teenager, maybe 13, maybe 14, maybe 12, somewhere along in there. He is the one that's going to be the champion for the nation of Israel. And as you look at Goliath, nine feet tall, and you see this little four-foot, eight-inch guy out there on the battlefield, it must have been just an absolute ludicrous sight to behold. Yet he becomes their champion. Now, you know the rest of the story even before I get to it. You saw it on the video. You know who wins the battle. But I want us to look at this story, and I want us to answer this question. How do we raise champions who are going to win for life? I want to give you three things this morning, and you can jot them down as you follow along today. Number one, if you're going to raise champions, their minds have to be filled with the promises of God. If we are going to raise champions, their minds have got to be filled with the promises of God. Let's pick up our story in verse number 20. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and he took the things and he went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array army against army. And David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper, ran to the army, came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was a champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from the taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is that uncircumcised Philistine uh, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, the oldest brother, heard these things and spoke against the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. He said, Why did you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now, David, before he's going to go to battle, he says, I want to know what the prize is. What's the winner get? What's the winner take home? In fact, in verse 26, he says, what does the guy who kills the Philistine get? And then in verse 30, the Bible says he says the very same thing again. He repeats the question one more time, so there's no doubts, no ambiguity. Uh, What does the winner get? Uh, What does the guy get who kills this Philistine giant? Uh, He wanted to be sure. 
You see, there was no thought in David's mind of defeat. He is only thinking about what the winner is going to get. Not talking about who's going to make the funeral arrangements, who's going to pick out the headstone, uh, who's going to transition my will to everybody else. Uh, He's not thinking in those kind of terms at all. He says, what does the winner get? Now, for David, the Bible tells us the winner got three things. Number one, he'd be a wealthy man. Quite a a prize for a young teenager. Number two, he's going to get to marry the king's beautiful, gorgeous daughter. And number three, he will be tax-exempt for life. I want to tell you, that alone would make us run out and take a few giants on. You see, for David, the prize and the promise was greater than the giant. I want you to get that. The prize and the promise was greater than the giant Goliath. And, 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 and that's what drove him. That's what motivated him. What's going to happen? What's the reward? What's going to take place? Uh, listen, there are promises in God's word uh, that are greater than any giant, any obstacle that will come your way. If you will have those promises hidden deep into your heart and in your life, you'll go out and take that giant. In fact, I would also tell you this, when you make up your mind to live for God, you will also face opposition along the way. And so his brother Eliab in verse number 28 says, what are you doing here? Who do you think you are? Are you some kind of puffed up, cocky young kid? Uh, Listen, go back and notice he said, watch your few little sheep. Notice the dig that he puts on David. He says, go on back. Who do you think you are? And, And everybody all of a sudden becomes jealous of David. Now listen, there are those today who would tell us that children are not important. Teenagers are not important. Uh, They're too young to live for God. Uh, They don't have enough experience to serve the Lord. Uh, Their environment's too rough. Uh, Our schools are too difficult. They just can't make it out there in the real world. Uh, In fact, adults have said, you can't talk about God in school. Uh, You can't pray in school. Uh, You can't do this and you can't do that. I want to tell you, the prize is out there. No matter what school you may go to, no one can stop you from praying as you walk up and down those hallways. Uh, Nobody can stop you from praying before a test. Uh, In fact, I want to tell you, when I had a test, that's when I did some of my best praying. Oh, God, help me now. No one can stop you from talking to your friends about Jesus Christ uh, and telling them that God loves them uh, and God has a plan for their their lives. Uh, No one can stop you. No one can stop you from getting in your high school, your junior high, and starting a Bible club. Uh, You may not be able to have it on school hours, uh, but when the day is over, you can have your own Bible club right in school every single day and you can lead it and direct it and lead others to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Don't let anybody tell you you're too young. Uh, When you're older, you can serve the Lord. When you're older, you can follow God. Listen, be a champion for God right now. Don't have to wait. There will be those who will say, you can't do it. You're too small. You're too young. You don't have a college degree yet. You don't have enough education. You can't do it. But I have good news for you. The power of God is greater than the power of enemy you'll face out there in the world. His power is absolutely greater and we can stand on every promise in the word of god now here's the challenge parents listen to me 
How can they know the promises of God unless we teach them? Unless we begin to instill them into their heart and life and train them all along the way. How can they know? Parents, early in life, when those kids are being, from the very moment they're born all the way up the line, begin to tell them stories of faith, uh, stories of great men and women of God. Uh, Read the Bible stories to them. Uh, When they get old enough that they can read, uh, you get a Bible in their hand. Uh, You might want to start out with a paraphrase, like the Living Bible, that's a little easier to understand. uh, But get that into their hands so they can read it and understand it and know about the plan of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Start them very early on the promises of God. My mom and dad, when we would drive home to and from church, they would have us memorize scripture. And so when when we were just kids and they said, let's learn the word of God. Let's not waste this time. We're going to church. We're going home. And so I memorized Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4, memorized several other verses along the way. And those are promises and verses in God's word that have stuck with me and carried me through. Teach them to memorize the word of God. Learn the word of God. Get the promises of God uh, in their heart. Listen, a child with the promises of God uh, is more powerful than an adult with a Ph.D. and a lot of money. A child who knows the promises of God can overcome any obstacle or situation he is going to face in life. Promises of God. Listen, if those kids will learn the promises of God, they'll begin to cling on to them. Uh, Even though their mom and dad may divorce and go separate ways and they may feel all along, uh, they may feel all alone, uh, they may feel they've been left or abandoned, uh, they can hold to the promise of Matthew 28 and verse 20 that says, I am with you always. Even unto the end of the age, uh, they can cling to the promise of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. And I will never leave you uh, nor forsake you. Uh, Listen, that is a promise that will keep our kids and our teenagers uh, when they feel abandoned and left alone. Uh, Listen, when they're facing impossible situations, uh, they can quote Philippians 4 and 13. uh, I can do all things. Through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Uh, Listen, they can have a promise of a good reward for their labors. uh, And they will know that their work is not in vain. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, uh, unmovable, uh, always abounding in the work of the Lord. uh, For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, You can cling to those promises. It's worth it. It's worth the journey. It's worth the battle. Don't give up. Don't cash it in. Uh, Follow Christ. They can have the promise of answered prayer, Matthew 21 and 22. uh, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Listen, those are promises in God's word. Uh, Saturate your mind with the promises of the word of God. You want champion children, get the word of God into their mind. Number two, you want champion children. Their mouth must be filled with the victory of God. Let's pick it up with verse number 31. And now when the word of David was spoke, were heard. They reported them to Saul and he sent for them. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David said, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight against him, for you are a youth. 
He's a man of war from his youth. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came out and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it, and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he's defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put his tennis shoes on his feet. No, I'm sorry. And he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with the coat of mail, and David fastened his sword to the army. He tried to walk, for he had not tested them. David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch that he had, and his sling was in the hand. And he drew near the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began to draw near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when David looked about and saw, and the Philistines looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was youth, ruddy, and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? You come to me with sticks. The Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields. And David said to the Philistine, listen to what he quoted, listen to what he said. You come to me with sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. You have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give your carcass to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. Let, your, let the victory of God, the praises of God, be in your mouth. Let the promises of God be in your mind. Let the praises of God be in your mouth. What are the praises of God? Listen, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you on behalf of all the armies of God. Not only is he greater than this Philistine, he is over every single army of God, all the armies of God, the Lord of hosts, the captain of hosts. He is greater. You've got to know your source of victory and young people, you've got to be ready to shout it and proclaim it no matter what. Saul says, bring this little runt to me. There's no way this scrawny kid is going to fight this man of war. And so he says, you know what, try this armor on. Now, first of all, he says, you can't do it. You're too young. You have no experience. So David gets his resume out. And on his resume, he says, lion killer, bear killer. And he was just waiting to fill in the next blank, giant killer. His resume was already, it was all in place. Now, no one saw him kill the lion. No one saw him kill the bear. They're just basically taking his word for it. I want to give you one lesson, one statement. I want you to get this down. Prepare in secret 
to win the battle in public. Prepare in secret to win the battle in public. Your prayer closet, your time alone with God, the time when no one else is watching, the time when you, and it's just you and God all by yourself, wherever you're at, you prepare in those secret places, uh, then you will be able to go out like a champion and win the battles in public. His older brother of Eliab may not have believed him. He said, you know what, David, I've heard that bear story before. I've heard that lion story before. I just don't believe you. I believe the reason that David went out and cut that giant's head off and, and came carrying that big old ugly grizzly head back, I believe he just took it right. Here, Eliab, take a look at this. Next time I'll cut the lion's head off and the bear's head off so you'll believe me. This time there'll be no doubt. Uh, look at him. Here's his head. Uh, here's the proof. Comes back to Eliab who was doubting him along the way. You're going to win on the battleground. You've got to prepare in the place of private prayer and meditation and waiting before the Lord. And then the king says, well, try this armor on. If you're going to go out there, if you're insistent, put my armor on. And he looked absolutely ridiculous. Uh, His breastplate went all the way down to his knees. Uh, The helmet went over his eyes. He couldn't see where he was going. Uh, He's stumbling all over the place. Uh, He looked ridiculous. And he says, I haven't tried these. Listen, some people will tell their children, listen, when you're old, you'll learn to read the Bible. You'll learn to pray. I want to tell you, kids can have absolutely incredible faith. In fact, the word of God talks about kingdom faith. And he says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by in no means enter it. The prayer of a child has great power with God. Teach them to pray early in life. Teach them to seek the Lord and Teach him about what spiritual warfare is all about. Saul's armor was untested. It was man-made, and it would not work in spiritual warfare. Now, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Look at verses number 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus. You know, it's the same thought that David said in 1 Samuel 17, 47, the battle's the Lord's. It's God's army. It's God's war. It's a spiritual battle we're in. He said, I don't need man-made, untested armor. We're not going to bring down the enemy. We're not going to be victorious. And with our own ingenuity, our own willpower, our own trying to stick to it, uh, our own uh, 10-step recovery program, uh, listen, my friends, that is not going to do it. Uh, It is a spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual battle. And we've got to go to that place of private, secret prayer if we're going to win in public. First of all, your mind has got to be filled with the promises of God. Number two, your mouth has got to be filled with the praises of God and giving him glory. And number three and last, your spirit has got to be filled with the power of God. Your spirit 
We've got to be filled with the power of God. Let's finish our story very quickly. Verse number 48. And so it was when the Philistine drew and came near to David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that stone The stone stuck into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, killed him, cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah rose and shouted, isn't it great? They all get on the bandwagon. The battle's been won. Probably all taking credit. Yeah, I was right there rooting them on. It was my, I, I, I helped win. And they pursued the Philistine as far as the entrance to the valley of the gates of Ekron. And they wounded the Philistines. They fell dead along the road to Shuram and even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their tents. David took the head of the Philistine, brought it to Jerusalem, and he put his armor in his tent. Listen, well, we're in the battle. There's a battle going on. There's a warfare going on for the souls of our children, for the souls of our youth. They won't have time to prepare themselves in the heat of the battle. Our teenagers, our boys and girls, our junior high students, won't be able to make the decision in the heat of battle if they haven't prepared themselves in private. So when they're in the heat of battle, when the temptation comes, when their peers are saying, come on, take a drink, one drink, it won't hurt, everybody's doing it. When they say, come on, take my cigarette, smoke this, Everybody's doing it. Uh, When they say, come on, uh, take some drugs, uh, do it. Everybody's doing it. It won't hurt. Uh, When they're with a girl and they're all alone uh, and they're saying, come on, let's do it. Let's go all away. They won't be able to do it. Uh, They need a stronger power to combat the external forces of darkness. Now, how are they going to overcome? Where does that stronger power come from how will they survive in the heat of the battle first john 4 and verse 4 gives us a hint you are of god little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world now i want to let you in on a secret and this is something you may not have noticed from the text the preparation for david was more than just going out and finding five smooth stones. You may have thought that was his preparation uh, time. In fact, his preparation wasn't even just target practice when he would watch the sheep on a regular basis. But I believe his preparation took place a chapter earlier. Turn back to 1 Samuel 16. Look at verse number 12. So he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy, with bright eyes, and good-looking. The Lord said, Arise, anoint him. Everybody say that with me. Anoint him, for this is the one. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. 
Look what it says next. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. The spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. I want to make a statement to you. I want you to hear me good and loud and clear. Every boy and girl, every teenager needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They need that Holy Spirit anointing. It wasn't the rocks. It wasn't the sling. It wasn't his aim. It wasn't any of those things. It was the Spirit of the living God. There's no way a little rock's going to take down a giant. It was the Spirit of the living God. Listen, when he was being anointed uh, on that occasion, uh, I want to propose to you something. It wasn't just his anointing for to be the king of Israel. It was anointed so he would have the capabilities to be the best king of Israel. To rule and run the kingdom. His anointing. Now, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, and you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that came upon David, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be, be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, uh, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, uh, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be a giant killer. Yeah, you can make it to heaven without it. How many want to take down giants and do great exploits? And lead your friends to the Lord Jesus Christ and be powerful, bold witnesses. You need the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I was, I was saved when I was six years old and uh, I would have thought that would have done it. But my parents tell me and, and my memories tell me if I am correct that I was still a selfish brat. But a revival came to our church when I was 11 years of age. And that evangelist asked all those who wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit to come forward. And I came forward in that revival service. And I was on one end. I was the very first one in line. And that evangelist laid his hands on me and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. My hands shot up in the air. I began to speak in a language I had never, ever heard before. And I was gloriously baptized with the Holy Spirit on that occasion. And I've got good news. The Holy Spirit has hung with me ever since. He hasn't bailed out on me. He hasn't left me. My mom and dad will tell you, after that point in my history, there was a remarkable change in my behavior. Listen, we, we, we tend to get our priorities messed up. Moms and dads, listen to me. We, we pray that they'll be successful. We pray that they'll be a doctor or a lawyer or the next president of the United States or they'll somehow be rich or famous or be the next great athlete to come down the pike. But I want to tell you, our prayer as men and women of God ought to be that they would be holy, holy, holy. That is the most important thing in their entire lives, holy. We are raising children today who are underarmed, undernourished, underdeveloped, and understrengthened. And then we wonder why the youth statistics are so alarming. The earlier they are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is the earlier they can begin to take down giants and lions and bears and anything else that's going to come their way in life. 
They need the power of Pentecost. They need the power of the Holy Spirit. God. Kingdom power. Oil was poured all over his head. He took the flask out. He poured it on his head. It went running down over that young boy's head all the way down his side. And, and, and he was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. There was a great Welsh revival. And a little boy heard that the evangelist, Evan Roberts, would be going to a town near his town. And he knew where the road was that went by where he lived and where their town was. And so every day he would go out and he would look for that carriage to come by. He'd wait by the roadside. He'd wait all day long and then he'd go back home at the end of the day. He'd go out the next day and wait all day long and he'd wait for that carriage to come by. And one day he caught that carriage coming down the road and he ran out in front of the carriage and he stopped it and he went around to the side and, and he said, Mr. Roberts, please come to my village and preach the gospel. He knew he was going somewhere else. Please, please, Mr. Roberts, come and preach in my village. We need that. And Evan Roberts said, well, who sent you here to, to come and get me? Did you, was it your mother? Was it your father? Who sent you out here on the road? The boy said, you know, my mom and dad are lost. and They're not saved. They don't know Jesus. They don't even know I'm here. But I believe if you'll come and you'll preach, they'll get saved. And one child was used to bring a revival to his town. And his mom and dad both got saved. Don't tell me, boys and girls, don't tell me teenagers can't become champions and make a difference in the kingdom of God. Listen, we don't know what giants are ahead. We don't know what lions and bears lay ahead. We do not know what Goliaths lay ahead of us. But I will tell you, we need the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Our boys and girls need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Our teenagers need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've got good news. All you got to do is ask him for it. Turn to Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verse number 9. And I want you guys to begin to prepare your hearts because in a moment we're going to open these altars and we're going to pray and we're going to see many, many, many this morning in the service filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11 and verse number 9. And so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be opened. And if a son asks for bread from a father, will he give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, you moms and dads, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Everybody say that with me. How much more? One more time. How much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Stand with me right now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. I want every teenager... Every young person who has not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you want to be a giant killer of faith, I want you to be the first to get down here all across the front. So begin to move right now. You haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray for you right now in this service. We're going to pray that God's going to raise up giant killers 
in the kingdom of God. You come right now and begin to pray. Begin to move around. Begin to pray. Begin to seek God. This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Thank you for listening this week.